Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Greetings, everyone, and a special thanks to all the international listeners. And also a special shout-out to the listeners at 3am. That's one of those times, isn't it? It's too early that you're commuting for a job. Well, maybe you are, I guess. But it's also quite late. So I wonder what's happening. Are you working quite late into the night? And then any listeners at 3am, please hit me up. I'd love to know the rationale behind the time. Now, before we get into today's podcast, just remember I still have my podcast guide that is up for sale on my website. Go have a look at it. It's an all-in-one guide. Eight months, 65,000 listeners later, it is all there in one guide to help you set up and launch a podcast. And it's pretty cheap as well. I'd pay for it. And I'm, I'm cheap. So on today's show, we have Aaron. Now, Aaron from Calico Properties, this was such an inspiring podcast and it didn't hit me till the end just how inspiring it was. Aaron is 23 years old. He set up a business that is fully outsourced and brings in 10 grand a month profit in property. And that's finding tenants for HMO landlords. Simple as that. So he tried rent to rent, had a few failed ones, had one which was a brothel with drugs under the floorboards, which you'll find out as you listen to this. And he took a different direction into finding tenants, which actually, from his property management experience that he had, was quite a good decision because he could live the four hour work week, probably less than four hours, and travel the world if he wanted to. But he's moving into sourcing. Now, once you listen to this podcast, you may want Aaron to find you a a tenant for your room if you're if you're struggling. Now I said to him, look, mate, come on, gotta give the listeners, gotta give them saying, you know what I mean? Little saying, saying, little discount. So if you mention Ted Talks when you call up, you will get ten percent off the price of him finding you a tenant. So I mean, y'all be getting a good deal. Aaron, welcome to the Ted Talks podcast. Thank you very much, Ted, for having me on. No problem. You know, I appreciate you reaching out to me via Instagram. I don't think we'd ever spoken or met before, but you told me your story and I thought, hmm, this sounds different to normal. And then we spoke on the phone and I was like, okay, wow. You know, I think property is is an industry, right? It's a huge, huge, multi, I don't know, it must be a billion industry. Yet I think what most people think of when it comes to property investments is, you know, albeit a diverse range of strategies, rent-to-rent, SA, buying, HMOs, etc., which is a huge range of things, people don't necessarily think outside of it, like property software or other aspects of the letting or selling process, right? So I think we all we all complain about, oh, how rubbish Purple Bricks is or all these websites, and we don't necessarily do anything about them. But you, you know, the way you've kind of generated quite a nice bit of income has been through through a slightly different I guess, method. Now, before we get to that, you know, before you got into property, what were you doing? You know, who was Aaron before property? Um, well, to be honest, there wasn't much before property because I am only 23 years old at the moment. Um, so I was at university when I decided that I wanted to go into um, property full time. Um, my idea or what I was planning to go through or uh, trying to lead on to was going into investment banking because I studied economics and politics at university but um, I stumbled across property during university hence why I, I went into this direction. Okay and then so you graduated university and got straight into your own business is that right? Um, to some extent to some extent I, I left university and then I, I was looking for um, I wanted to go into rent to rent I knew about the rent to rent strategy because I stumbled across it at university. Um, well, the story was that I was renting a room with a couple of my friends. We were renting the entire property and we were splitting the bills and the rent on a monthly basis. And that was totaling about £300, um, including bills. But the next door neighbor was doing a HMO in his house and he was renting each room, including bills, for £600, which was double the price that we were paying. Um, so I literally just put two and two together and thought, oh, wow, he's making, you know, ridiculous margins on that house, even if he if he, if he doesn't own it because it was an agency running it. So I Googled rent to rent and um, subletting and stuff like that. And the first thing that popped up on YouTube was, was Simon Zucci. Um, 
and his his explanation of rent to rent was was a small but very concise piece of information that really triggered the entire property journey for me. Mm, okay, and then you know most people, uh, you know, go to university. They might have a little side business. They might do a bit of this, but a lot of it is you know studying, partying, whatever you do at university. And then you, know, you come out, and the natural thing is boom, get a job, nine to five, and then maybe. X many years down the line, you think, oh, you know what, I could have my own business. I guess that's the traditional view, right? So what gave you the kind of confidence to start planning and then like to leave university and not get a nine to five? How did you know you could do it? Um, well, I did leave university and I had to get a nine to five because I left university and I was um, in debt because I didn't have any money. I was always in my overdraft. I didn't know how to get out of that. Um, so I thought, let me get a job role which will be able to help me be educated because I was willing to pay somebody to teach me. I was willing to pay for one of these courses that um, are so many out there. But the only reason why I didn't is because I just didn't have the money to pay for one of these courses. So I, I thought an alternative was um, if I'm going to go into rent to rent, it's going to be a property manager. So if I'm going to be a property manager, where's the best place for me to go is to work for a place where they have HMOs and I could learn from a property manager on how to be um, good at this particular job role. So I worked for an estate agency, um, a private firm pretty much. He owned the entire portfolio of about 115 properties, all based in East London. Um, and he gave me the flexibility to manage all of his HMOs, which was about 16 to 17 HMOs, um, all in all in East London. He had about 40 to 30 to 40 void rooms when I first joined. Um, and their marketing and everything, was, everything wasn't amazing. I, I found a course online, which was um, Neil Ward, Neil Ward's course. Um, I spoke to him on the phone and um, he said, the course is going to be about £3,000 and I didn't have the finances for that, but he said that he's got a video form. So um, I asked my friend if he wants, he was interested. So we split the, the cost on the video and it was about £500. We spent £250 on this course pretty much. Um, I learned everything I thought I needed to know about rent to rent through that course. And I was eager to implement those ideas um, after he pretty much presented them to me via this video form. Um, so as soon as I got the job for this estate agency in East London, I was excited to implement all of these ideas. Um, I, I implemented all of this, all of these ideas, so better pictures, um, placing them on different platforms to get more traction, featured ads, and just small little things that I wanted to implement into his business to, to reduce his voids, to make myself better as a HMO manager. Um, so I was doing that for a little while. At the same time, I was I was I was trying to build my business by setting it all up, being fully compliant as um, an an agency, as a HMO manager, and trying to source some deals for myself, and at the same time trying to save some money to invest in one of these um, rent to rent deals that I hopefully come across. Okay. Um, that was that, yeah. So then, so you were working for a property investor, essentially. I mean, when you when you went to him and sort of like applied for the job, how you know you come out of university with a degree that's fairly different, but you know it's all relevant in life. How did he trust that you, with no property experience, were going to be able to manage that many HMOs, which even people with property experience can't manage correctly? How did he trust you? I'm not too sure to be honest. Thinking back, um, I think I just had a lot of confidence, and um, I told him that I was eager to get into the HMO kind of business. Um, and I looked on Spare Room and looked for people who were advertising bedrooms. And his one popped up a lot on his his, his his company, popped up a lot. So I wanted, and I knew they weren't advertising very well. Their images weren't very good. The description was terrible. It was always on the last page on Spare Room. So they weren't necessarily renewing the adverts on a regular basis. They weren't using the featured ads on Spare Room, which is such a great way to, to make sure you get good amount of traction. Um, so I was explaining to him, this is these are the ideas that I have, and I, I know I could reduce the voids that, that you've got at the moment. And bearing in mind, if you've got about 30 rooms, um, which are empty at around about 500 pounds a month, you know, that's that's a lot of money he's missing out on on a monthly basis. Um, so I, hence, hence why I was able to persuade him. 
And then, you know, before you joined the company, what was he like? What was he doing to manage his HMOs? Did he have a different agent or did he just leave them open because he had so many he didn't even notice the money? Like, what was he doing? He had um, one person who was managing them for him, but they didn't necessarily know how to do it. They didn't necessarily have an interest in property. So um, I came along and really and truly told him, I can't do this for you. And um, after a couple of months, I reduced his void rooms to about two to three bedrooms um, empty on a monthly basis. So they actually did work. Wow. And so, you know, as you were working for him, when it comes to you know so i guess this is a, a topic in itself that we can we can touch on now so hmo management now a lot of investors especially when they're new will say hmos are great big cash flow replace your income can be done quick can recycle your money sometimes now the management aspect is something that so many people say oh i hate it. it's terrible bad tenants and then half the people say i've never had a peep from them it's like having a buy to let it's so simple you know, from your experience of actually physically being on the ground managing these, what what was it like managing them? Um, it really and truly depends on your HMO manager as well, because I personally would take very specific people on and in the property. I wouldn't want um, people who I feel like will clash with each other um, because the longevity of the property is something that I would want to be... Um, you know, um, something which is going to be positive for the households because they're going to move into a property which is going to be a home. So I would make sure I vet every individual very specifically when I would go do the viewings. I would I would uh, meet them, speak to them, ask them a few questions, who they are, what their interests are, and then I would always try and bring out the other applicants in the properties so or the tenants so they could meet them and it would be a social household more than just a room let just the cash generating property, which a lot of some landlords and some investors just really care about money. Um, but if you care about the product in terms of the house and the people in the house, then you're looking for a less headache, um, you know, just a more of a pleasant uh, business. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's that investment at the start, like you said, to meet the people together, to make it social, to make it like there's humans in this space, right? So, you know, as humans are, we don't get along and we do get along. And I think the people who have been on my podcast before with HMOs, the majority of them are kind of companies and people who will like match the people, who will interview them, who will meet them, who will do all the things you mentioned. And actually, they're the ones who say actually managing it is, is quite straightforward. So I think you're spot on with that. And when it comes to like, you know, conflict resolution or kind of handling problems, now you were handling quite a sizable portfolio you know, by yourself. So how did, how did, how did you ensure that you were managing them all correctly and responding in a timely manner and getting things fixed when they needed to be? Um, it wasn't too much of an issue, to be honest. There were, we had a small maintenance team as well. So if there were any issues that did arise, um, I would always have my phone and they would WhatsApp me on, on the chat and just tell me there's an issue. And I would inform the, the maintenance team to get that sorted ASAP. So that wouldn't be too much of an um, issue. And in regards to conflicts with tenants, there wouldn't be too many because I would very, be very picky in terms of who I'm looking to put into the property. Um, I would also, one of the main things that I did was implement um, a referral system. So if, I, if they were able to give me a client or somebody who they knew was looking to move into a property. So let's say a friend of theirs want to move into the same house with them. I was happy to give them a, a reduction of their rent on £5 per week, so around £20 reduction on a monthly basis, which goes a long way for tenants. So um, that was one of the ways that I was able to reduce all of that. Mm, okay. And then earlier you mentioned something about pictures. Now, if you go on Facebook or Instagram, you see lots of gorgeous pictures. You go on Spare Room, you don't see as many now. So like, what are your tips for people when they are taking pictures in terms of what they should do and what they shouldn't do? Um, when I normally took my pictures for the rooms, I would always make sure it would be in the morning. So the brightness is always a good um, indicator. I would always have a wide angle lens. So they, they are quite expensive. So if you don't have a wide angle lens and you're on a budget, a panoramic um, image will be a, a good one on your iPhone or something like that. So you get, so you get the whole entire um, gauge of the room. 
also videos uh, always make a video of every single room that we have to let um so when somebody's inquired i could send them a video reduce the time that we're going to be out on viewings make sure they know what the situation is this is the room and um, tidy up the room a lot of people don't even want to tidy up the room and take the pictures make it look presentable um, and if you really can really and truly just dress the room as much as you can and take as many angles as, as we possibly can as well Mm, people don't want to tidy up their rooms that's just i mean that's funny like <laughs> you know you i mean people you tidy your own bedroom would you not tidy up a room for someone else that's that is strange but i guess if you've got a huge portfolio like he did you know you're you're probably you haven't probably seen some of these rooms for years so yeah you're not gonna necessarily consider it and, and most letting agents uh, you know are they gonna care as much as you or the owner probably not so you took these pictures for him, you increased his, you decreased his void rate, increased the kind of room fill rate. Now, when you take people around the HMOs for viewings, did you always do block viewings or did you prefer to do kind of one-on-ones? Um, it depended because I would normally just do one-on-ones or I'll do 15-minute blocks. Um, so I'll do 15 minutes after, then I'll meet the other applicant and then show them around. But sometimes I would do that mainly just to create the urgency. Well, that's just like less engaging tactics. Um, just to create that urgency and try to get somebody in there as ASAP to reduce the void rates and get the cash flow in. Mm, okay. And then when you, you know, achieved all of this for him, was he grateful? <laughs> yeah, of course. He was he's a really nice guy actually. He was he's a he's got an amazing story himself. Um he him and his father owned this really big company um in East London. They own about thirteen hotels as well, hotels in India and Dubai. Um, and he created that pretty much all by himself. And the strategy that he was doing, very similar to rent to rent pretty much, but it was leasing. So they would lease a property from a landlord and then rent it directly to the council. Um, so he would be making margins of about 500 to 400, 400 to 500 pounds a month. And he was managing about 800 to 900 properties um, at his peak. Wow. I mean, even some basic yeah. maths there, it, it, says, yeah, exactly. it says a lot. I mean, what do you do with that many properties? Bloody hard to forget. <laughs> I forget half of them. Okay. <laughs> so then you worked for him, you really changed things up in, in that aspect. And then, you know, you still had a, an itch to have your own business. So you did all this for him whilst you were sort of getting compliant in your own business. Mm-hmm. And then what happened next? So after I got all compliant, I was ready to, um, get something that I wanted to or well, find a rent-to-rent deal. The first rent-to-rent deal that I've always, always wanted to get and I felt like I could get was the property that I was living in in university. Um, the property in university was in Colchester because I went to Essex University and this house, we were paying £1,400 on a monthly basis and um, if we did a room let on this house, it would be achieving about £4,000. So after all the expenses, after bills and after everything that we had to pay, it would net around 1800 to £2,000 on a monthly, which is, you know, a ridiculous rent-to-rent figure. Um, in, in, even in, in addition to that, your, your initial costs of getting this property ready, it was fully furnished, the house was in good condition. Um, all I needed to do is get a license. So the total cost I was looking to spend on this house was about £3,000, but the whole entire deal was worth about 24000 on a yearly basis, which is ridiculous. Um, I, that was the deal that I was trying to close. I was in my first, first stages of just the first deal that I ever, ever had to um, speak to a landlord. So I was really nervous and everything like that. And it was such a big deal on the, on the the um, at the end of it. So... Um, it was a difficult one for me. I was literally, um, I would say, 80% down the line where I was about to close it. We had a meeting, a Skype meeting, actually, because she's, she's based in Australia. I told her this is the situation. I gave her my rent-to-rent pitch, um, and she had a look at us online. And I had my website up and my Google page, a couple of Google reviews at that point as well. So we looked um, somewhat official. Um, at the end of it, it all fell through, unfortunately, because I was a previous tenant and the agency that was running the, the house um, told her that I was, I, was an, I was a tenant previously. So um, it actually accidentally fell through. But after that, though, because she realized that I was a previous tenant and yeah, yeah, exactly. Unfortunately. But um, even though I didn't have any experience, she was very close to handing the keys over to me and I would have 
treated that property like you know amazing because <laughs> that would have been That's... my first rinse of rinse. Yeah, and you know it's it's good you've spoken about that because it shows that the only thing that put her off, what what we think put her off, is the fact that you know you were a previous tenant and she thought maybe you weren't responsible. But your pitch, your website, everything you did worked. So for people who are listening, who are in the same place as Aaron or 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 kind of you know a few steps sort of in a different area, direction behind whatever, and you're thinking, oh, the agent's not going to believe me, you know, the, the vendor's not going to believe me. I mean. You know, they just believed Aaron and he was about to sign a deal, but it got scuppered by something sort of totally out of his control. And I think that goes to show you that you don't need to be an expert. You don't have to have 20 rent to rents to walk in and say, boom, here's my business. You can say confidently and knowledgeably, here is my business. And what's also important is it fell through. And for people listening who are, you know, who are on Facebook and Instagram and see people saying, oh, I just got a rent to rent, 1000 a month, blah, 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 success, success. Yes, that does happen, and we'll get to Aaron's success as well. But as you just said, he spent time and effort on it, and it fell through. So the, this kind of thing can happen, right, Aaron? And it does happen all the time. So yeah, of course, of course. There was um, another deal actually that fell through eventually, but I guess we'll go on to that. Sure. So then, so you had this first rent to rent. Annoyingly, that fell through. Were you at the same time trying to secure others, or were you focused on this one? To be honest, um, at that period of time, I only had the funds to um, invest in this one property. So um, it was a difficult stage because I, I was looking for a property which was good returns on a monthly basis and a small investment, which is quite difficult to find. But um, this one was the, 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 an amazing return because it was such a small investment and great returns. Um, I think the ROI was something like 700% um, on, a, on a rent to rent. So that was the deal I would I would ideally go for, but um, yeah, that that was that was the situation. Okay, so that fell through, and then what happened next? After that fell through, um, I was still working at the estate agency. Um, I felt like I hit the top, and I felt like I couldn't do anything more at this company um, because they were already in a position where they they've made and they've already been on their property journey. They were they were going on to huge other things and. I wasn't at the stage of my life where I wanted to be going to, you know, huge commercials and stuff like that, which would have been interesting and it would have been a great learning curve. But I wanted to go work for another company at this point because um, I wasn't happy in the environment because environment is very key to me personally. Um, so I was looking for another estate agency job in the local area and I stumbled across another company. Um, this company was run by his uh, a mum and a son. And the son was one month younger than me, so he's 23 like myself, and he really and truly built this entire company. And the mum had the foundation of, of that company, and he built that entire company until about five, I think they've got 500 units fully managed, and they're an estate agency based in um, East London. Um, and that really and truly taught me um, like work ethic, um, how understanding business on a, on a on a bigger level, understanding branding and marketing, loads of different things. So working for other people and having a, a, a mentor in a way for free while getting paid was a great, great asset for myself. Um, and in addition to that, in the background, I was doing, I was trying to do at least four hours of work for myself. So my routine at that period of time in my life was about 5 a.m. starts, um, waking up at 5, starting work at like 5.30, doing like an hour and a half work, going to the gym, coming back, going to work, coming back and doing some more work for my own business. So I did that for about six to seven months, um, pushing rent-to-rent deals, trying to source rent-to-rent deals and stuff like that. Hmm. So I think, again, there's, there's an important point there, which is, you know, there's some people who will come out of university or education and go straight into their own business, absolutely smash it. There's others who will do the same, not do so well. There's others who will get a couple of jobs and do it or others will work their whole life. But the kind of the piece I take from that is that you had a mentor, like you said, you got paid, which at, at that kind of age where you haven't got any side businesses, you haven't got any property bringing in money, you know, you need something to pay the bills, you need something to pay for your life. So when people listen and, and they say, oh, you know what, should I just quit this? Should I leave this? Sometimes, as much as I don't like working for someone and you don't either, 
there, there are certain periods in your life, especially at the beginning, I guess, when you don't have as much experience, that it is good to work for someone, to take in their knowledge, understand the network, and just be in a position where you've got a brand and you've got like a foundation around you as opposed to starting from scratch. So anyone listening, you know, just consider your situation first. You don't have to quit something in- instantly. You don't have to not get another job before you quit. I guess use it to your uh, advantage like like Aaron has here. So you went to this second company, you hustled for a, for quite a few months there looking for a rent-to-rent deal. And then what happened next? Um, so I was looking for a rent to rent deal actually. So as soon as I did join this company, I was I was I found um, another rent to rent deal, which was in East London again. Um, this one wasn't as nice as the one in um, Colchester, unfortunately. It was it was about what was the numbers on it? I spent I spent about four and a half thousand pounds on refurbishing this place, and um, the returns were about eight hundred and fifty on a monthly basis. So as around about fifty. 50% um, ROI on a yearly basis. Um, that that was a long story as well, actually. Um, a little shameless plug here for, for, for my podcast. I've got a podcast where um, I've recorded the entire story of what happened on this on this journey. But long story short, um, it fell through as well after I did the refurbishment. So um, I lost all of that money. <laughs> so Whoa, um, hold on, hold on. We need to talk about this. So firstly, <laughs> what's the name of your podcast? Uh, it's Aaron Singh's podcast. So everyone, go listen to Aaron Singh's podcast for the full story. But give us an abridged version of why it fell out, and don't tell it. Don't sure. say any more because I want everyone to go listen to the story on your podcast. Sure, um, it's difficult. It's a difficult one. How to explain it? the the whole The whole plot twist was that the house was um, a previous brothel, and um, it was full of drugs in underneath the floors and the floorboards um <laughs> wow <laughs> so the situation i didn't want to i after, we found out afterwards after the refurbishment was pretty much 80 percent complete and the money was spent um and then i didn't really want to put house um tenants in the house where you know people will be trying to break into the property for these for ridiculous amounts of drugs in the property so um that's that's why it fell through. I gave it back to the landlord after because I didn't want to be involved. And you couldn't like sue him for expenses or something at all in the contract. And um, we had a we had a we had a conversation about him re- um, refunding some of the, the costs, and there was just a, a disagreement. So he refunded us about a thousand pounds. And to be honest, I was at a stage in my life where I didn't want to go through um, legal procedures. I just wanted to move on and find my next deal. Okay, and that's 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 good. But at the same time, you lost how much? Just so the listeners know, I lost around about three to four thousand, and okay. that was pretty much all the money I had. Right. So you know, again, for people listening, rent rent's a great strategy, as are all the strategies. But you know, in business and in in where things where you can't necessarily trust everyone you're working with, you know, you can lose sums of money like this, and and bigger sums of money. But I think to lose it at at you know an age where you haven't worked for 10 years and got tons of savings you've kind of just come out of university it's it's painful and i think if you moved on quickly got a little bit from the landlord that's quite that's quite good to see that in a mindset because it means that as things get worse as they do the bigger projects you get on the more you do you'll be able to deal with them a lot better than than other people maybe perhaps so you dealt with that loss and so again this is the second rent to rent that fell through with a monetary loss like at this point were you thinking oh forget rent to rent it doesn't work or um i was in that mindset i am in that mindset at the moment as rent to rent it's just not my favorable strategy but um at that point i had that thousand pounds and i'd like around about 500 pounds in my account so i bought another course so um i bought a sourcing a sourcing a deal sourcing course where i wanted to be able to professionally package deals and sell them on just to build up my cash flow because i didn't want to be working um, for another, I don't know, six to eight months just to save a bit more cash. Um, so I bought another course at this period of time and I was trying to source deals um, all over the United Kingdom and um, try package those up and sell them on for a fee. In addition to that, I was also trying to source other deals in London for myself if I could possibly find a joint venture maybe or an investor who can invest into this deal with me. 
or even package it up and sell it onto another um, um, rent-to-rent um, HMO manager. So um, at this point where this is where the room let kind of business really and truly came into play where and this landlord, I called him and said to him, I would manage your property. I gave him the whole entire rent to rent pitch and he wasn't necessarily happy. He wanted to live in the property himself. And at the end of the conversation, I said, sure, if you, if you need any assistance to fill the rooms, let me know. So um, a month later, he called me and said, um, yeah, he wants me to help him um, find some tenants. And he didn't know how to find tenants. And obviously, I was working in an estate agency, and I, I knew, and, and I was a previous HMO manager, so I knew how to find um, tenants. Um, so all I did was literally go over, take some pictures. He was living in the property, so he would, it was a lodger agreement, which we needed to put into place. And he would do the viewings and meet everyone and I would literally just organize the viewings um, over the over the phone and over spare room. Um, so that's when I first made my first deal for a, a let on a room let basis. I charged him about two, two and a half weeks rent um, or two weeks rent. And I charged a tenant uh, an administration fee. So the deals are averaging around about 500 to 900 pounds per deal on a room let basis. Um, so they're reasonably nice figures um, because on a rent-to-rent, you're going to be generating about 800 or 500 or 600 pounds on a monthly basis, somewhat residual um, income, but you still have the risk period of having void rooms. So the, the main reason why this really and truly appealed to me was there was no risk involved and I was just going to be working for money, which was not necessarily the best thing to be doing, but it was a lot more money for me to be um, obtaining so I could use these funds to reinvest into the business because I wanted to always reinvest into the business and also find investment opportunities for myself. Yeah, and and you know, that's... So I, I want to delve into this room letting in, in, good, in detail in a second, but before that, before you very casually mentioned I had one and a half grand in my account and I went straight on a course. Now, what what makes you so obviously there's some people who have you know a lot of money and they go on courses so it's a small percentage of their savings of the money they have you spent a lot of what you had on a course what made you do that instead of you know I don't know reading books going online meeting people doing the slower way and then using that money for you know for using it for actual properties like what made you just say you know what I need a course this is going to get me to where it is? Because a lot of people ask me about courses. So I want your opinion on that. Um, it, it, to be honest, I, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm a person who always tries to educate themselves. So I've, I'm, I'm not a big reader. So I'm always listening to audio. I've listened to loads and loads of property books, loads and loads of business books. I'm continuously um, listening to podcasts, all property related and business related and social media related. So I'm always educating myself and, and gaining that free value. And there are some great gems out there, even like with your podcast. And some of them have been like really, really informative. And sometimes I would just take notes um, and think, oh, okay, I could implement this into my business somehow. Um, but the course was something which would give me a lot of the, the documents that I felt like I needed. They would give me the literally the process of A to Z on how to complete and how to to get the funds in um, at the moment, well, it's pretty much like a business plan, which which they'll be able to give you. Um, and there's videos and the documents and how you find the deals and the pitch in terms of when you're speaking to agents. They'll be able to speed up the process for me. And I knew property was the way for me to um, achieve what I want to be achieving. Um, that's why I really truly bought the course. Okay, because it's bold and it is a risk right using you know most of your funds on something that yeah like you said gives you all that but also depends on you you know people spend money on courses don't act on it don't do anything and then blame the course right and just for the listeners because again i always get asked which courses which deal packaging course did you go on i went on to sarah Poynton's um, deal packaging course but um it was um to be honest, at that course, well, it was just an online-based course. Um, I was able to source one um, a property, a landlord, where he had six properties in Middlesbrough, and um, I was sort. He found tenants for three of them, and then I had three of the properties, which I was just about to do a rent-to-rent -rent deal on all three of them with one agent. 
he went to go look at all three of properties and I was pretty much 90% complete, but the landlord said he didn't want to give it to um, a one-man band. So um, that fell through eventually as well. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, you know, that's the name of the course and everyone listening, other courses are available, but at least people know now where you went. So you... You mentioned the room letting business before, so rent to rent didn't, you know, wasn't working for you for various few reasons, and that's not to say it's not going to work for others or that it's a bad strategy. It's a great strategy, but you know, the strategy has to match what you're doing, and you have to enjoy it. Now, um, so rent to rent didn't work, and then you started a room lettings business, which, you know, is what I was touching on right at the beginning. It's something different. So, am I right in saying that? you you essentially do the first half that most letting agents would do you find a tenant yes it'll be an introduction only service pretty much so i'll just find them a tenant so then you know letting agents have a high street presence they have a name they have the nice you know banners and they leave all that stuff you know they if you walk into a lettings agent you know what they do there's a little bit of trust there <laughs> a little bit like why did these landlords trust you you know, unestablished as such over all letting agents that were in their local area? Um, I guess it, it comes down to your pitch. Um, I was able to pitch it to them like they really and truly needed my service, which is the truth. They, a lot of landlords do need letting agent services because at the end of the day, if you've got a void bedroom and you don't have that extra income coming into your household, um, you want that money to come into your house. You want that every month, that, that cash flow. So if somebody comes up to you and says, I could find you that applicant to move into your property, and in addition to that, they're going to be a very compatible person. They're going to, you're going to feel comfortable. You're going to feel safe. And we're going to do all the administration and all the referencing for you to make sure that they could financially afford this property or this bedroom. Um, so it, it's, it's about building that, that trust to yourself. In addition to that, I've got a good online presence for my business. So um, the, all the social medias, we're very active on our social medias, the LinkedIn, um, the Facebook, the Instagram, soon to come, the YouTube, um, every every small aspect and the Google reviews and the trust pilots. So I've, I've been able to, to maximize our online presence. So if someone does go have a look at my company, it's they're going to ha- find it with, um, you know, about good, good reviews um, consistently throughout. And that's how I was able to build the trust, to be honest. And that's interesting. It's good you said that because it, it's very. When you start a business, you know you've got the two halves. You've got the the doing, and you've got the kind of I guess documenting or showing. They're both important, but a lot of people argue that just the doing makes money. But through what you've done, which is the showing as well, which is the branding, which is the the posting a lot, being active, and especially the reviews, it builds social trust, which then gets customers into your business, so you can do the doing and then make money, right? So it's kind of like a circle that chases it. It's like two arrows that are chasing each other, right? And you are balanced and are balancing both. And it's proven itself because people want to work with you and they trust you. And then, so for people who are listening, like how important has that online branding aspect been for you personally? Um, It is an important factor, but at the beginning it wasn't amazing. So my website wasn't amazing and, the reviews are only probably had four or five um, um, Google reviews at that period of time. But uh, the main thing was um, being able to provide that great service. That's that's That was the main um, growth of my business because I would always um, give feedback to my landlords and provide great service to my tenants and everything like that. So um, the referral basis, so I'll get tenants telling their friends, um, oh, we've got this guy, Aaron, from Calico Properties, um, he's running he does this estate agency if you're looking for a bedroom go to him or my landlords would always ask to tell their friends that i've got somebody here who's, who could help you find your room so the referral um, part of the business was something which really helped me grow it because i've still got the same landlords that i started out with calling me and saying oh can you rent this room out it's, it's just about to come empty wow and so you said before you and you were exchanging time for money you were working in the business now how long have you had the room lettings agency? Um, I started the entire business from, or well, it's all under been under one brand, Calico Properties, and that's um, started in Jan- um, right at the beginning of two thousand and eighteen, so January pretty much two thousand eighteen. 
Okay, so it's been about a year and a half ish since you started. What what does the business look like now today? And we're in May twenty nineteen. Um, at the moment, um, we are we've got about a hundred um, plus bedrooms that we're looking to let. Um, we're averaging about twenty, well, eighteen to twenty-three roomlets a month, um, and I've systemized the entire business well enough um, with my VAs to run my social medias. Um, we're increasing on our content. Obviously, if you watch a lot of Gary Vee and Rob Moore, they always speak about content and creating content. So we're trying to put as much value out there for a lot of people. Um, we are moving into deal sourcing very, very soon. So at the moment, I'm strategizing a very large marketing plan, which I'm planning to deploy very soon. Um, and I'm just trying to grow a very small, small, efficient team. Okay. And how much is the business making a month? Because you told me this on Instagram and I was I was very impressed. Um, so average at the moment, we're making about 10,000 um, a month. Um, and that's been for the past at least five months, six months. Okay. And is that profit or turnover? That's pretty much net profit. So my, my overheads are very minimal. Yeah. And so you said you managed to outsource it with VAs. And that's good you said that because I had someone on my podcast a few weeks ago talking about what we can outsource to VAs, of which it's so many different things. But your business is finding people for rooms meeting them speaking to them showing them around so how do you get around the physical aspects of what your job is so i've been able to systemize the entire business to just an online basis and uh, business so um we would do all of the marketing platform all of the marketing that, that i would implement and then loads of landlords will pretty much call us or call um, the office and say um well you know we, we received this piece of information and can you help me rent the room so um what we would need what we would normally do is we'll go over and take some pictures but i've outsourced that to a company called baddy baddy is a roomlet company based in barcelona and they um, recently got a huge injection of, or a huge amount of funds to really and truly grow their business so at the moment they're for the past couple of months they've been providing free services where they will be able to take pictures for you guys of your properties very professional pictures so I would set up, uh, well, my VA will email them and say, can you take a pic to go over to this property at this period of time and take some images for us? Um, so they will take all the images for us and we'll advertise it on multiple platforms. The platforms that we will advertise it on will be Ideal Flatmate, Spare Room, Facebook, and Baddy. Those four main platforms are the, way, are the ways that we get the most amount of tractions for them. Um and there's other tactics in terms of making sure that they're all renewed on an hourly basis, making sure that they are um, deactivated and reactivated so they're fresh on the first page, featured ads, um, consistently messaging people out. We've got a CRM system where we've got loads of applicants on our system and we would, when, as soon as we get a new bedroom and we know that it's going to be in the local area, um, we would send them a mass email and say, hi, we've got this bedroom in, let's say, Stratford. And if you want to have a look, please do just give us a quick call back or drop us a message and we'll be happy to book you in. Um, that's what the business is looking like at the moment. Wow. And who does the viewings? The viewings is all done by the landlords. So we don't do any viewings at all. So like, we would book about 30 viewings in a day, let's say, and that's, that's a big number, let's say 10 viewings in a day. Um, and all of our landlords would just know that there's going to be somebody at the house um, or because it's, it's different targeted markets that we work with. So we work with loads of rent to rent agents because sometimes they struggle with renting their rooms. We work with um, a lot of HMO investors and lodgers. So landlords who are just looking to um, find an extra person in their property. And um, yeah, they're the main targets. Interesting. And then, so if I'm a landlord, if I'm an investor listening to this and I'm struggling with HMO rooms and I actually know someone who is in Birmingham, so I'll introduce you both. Um, and I said, oh, right, uh, yeah, find me, find me one tenant. How much would it cost me? Um, it depends because now there's a new rules and regulation coming in. So um, we wouldn't be able to charge, there's a tenant, there's a, a letting agent fee ban. So you wouldn't be able to charge the tenant any funds um, for the administration costs. 
So um, it, that's why we're moving into the deal sourcing side of the business because the, the the margins will be crippled, unfortunately. So averaging at the moment 500 to 900 pounds a deal, but that will be reduced down to about 300 to 700 pounds per deal. So it will cost an, a landlord 3.5 weeks worth of their rent and we'll be able to do everything for them, find them a tenant, referencing, um, and literally A to Z for them, beside the viewings. Mm, wow. Okay. So, not, so not, not too, you know, I guess comparable to what letting agents would charge, but I think most letting agents don't have a, a clue about HMOs, whereas you have that experience. So, so it makes all the difference. Okay. And so... You know, you've outsourced that business. Obviously, the the changes are happening in legislation. You're moving on to sourcing now. Whereabouts do you live? You live in East London, right? Yes, East London. So, when it comes to sourcing, obviously, London is not that good for buying to rent or buy to let. Sorry, because of the yields. There's still lots of opportunity here for various things. So, what are you going to be sourcing and where? So. To be honest, I've been looking into, I understand that um, London isn't the best of place to be finding great deals. Um, so I'm going, I'm planning to relocate to another city. So I'm going to move out from, um, I live in, I live with my parents at the moment. So I'm going to move out from my parents' house to another city. Um, I've been looking at a couple of cities that I'm, I'm thinking are great investment opportunities. So, um, the main things I will be looking at is the room let demand because I want to be able to make sure that my, my landlords have good exit strategies. So if we can't possibly sell the property, you know, we could possibly do a HMO where the yield is going to be a good good number for them. Um, we're going to be looking for mainly we're going to be looking for is BNBs, so below market value properties um, through several different marketing strategies, director landlords and agents um, through social media marketing and direct landlord and um, online advertising and public advertising letters everything like that okay awesome and then so just quickly go back a step so with the obviously legislation changes coming and affecting your business how does that make you feel that what you've spent time working on and building is potentially going to change and maybe not be as profitable do you you know, is it annoying and you're kind of thinking, oh, what a waste of time? Or do you have a different mindset to it? Um, I always knew that it was going to happen. So um, I'm, I'm, I was always preparing for it to happen. And I knew what the direction of the business is going to go into eventually. Anyways, I always wanted to get into deal sourcing and investments and finding JV partners and investors and stuff like that. Because that's, that's building actual wealth. Because this is just bringing me cash, which is good. But uh, it's, I'm happy that it has done this for me because it's been able to allow me to leave my full-time job and just work full-time for myself and reinvest into my business and grow it on a, on a smaller, smaller basis. But this has given me good foundations in terms of um, I know how to be able to find, a, find deals. I know the marketing tactics that I'm using at the moment on how to find multiple, multiple landlords um, on a regular basis is working. So I'm just going to use those transferable skills and implement that into my deal sourcing company. Very interesting. I just had a thought, you know, about that business. You know, if the legislation changes hadn't happened and things carried on normally, you know, this sounds like it's a business looking at how outsourced it is that you could run from anywhere in the world. Am I right? 100%. And at the moment, we're running it just in London. So I could... I could easily, easily scale this business into all of the major cities in the United Kingdom if I wanted to. But um, I don't necessarily... It's, it's a good product. It's a good business. Um, but the market does play its toll on it. So there's, there's always good times and bad times. So right this second, like this, this, this time in May, it's not the best of months to be renting um, rooms because it's relatively slow. Um, but then let's say in, in June, it will be at the peak where we'll try to possibly let, I don't know, 40 rooms in a month. Wow. And, you know, this makes me think of like Tim Ferriss's four hour work week where, you know, he says you can build businesses like this and sit on a beach, travel the world and, you know, give or take a little bit of input here and there, which we should all have in our business because we care about it. You can do what you like. And I think for you to have achieved that at 23 is, is incredible, you know, and, I think it's an inspiration to anyone listening of any age, 
any stage in your life, you know, yeah, it took you a year to kind of get to that stage where it was, you know, 10k a month. But a year out of the average human length of life is so like minuscule compared to the amount of years you have left to do what the hell you wanted if this business was your passion and, and could continue and expand. So yeah, I think for everyone listening, you've definitely come and brought some inspiration. You've got me thinking about, you know, how can I outsource something? How can I make things sort of work for me more efficiently? And I know everyone listening is going to be thinking that as well, Aaron. So thank you so much for coming on the Test Talks podcast. Uh, it's been it's been it's been awesome. I have one last question before we end it. What is one piece of technology or software or application that you just can't live without? One piece of technology. Can I say a very basic one? My phone. Yeah, absolutely. Of course you can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's that's very generic. Um, what? Let me just have a think. Uh, one piece of. No, I can't think of anything. I do apologise. <laughs> no, that's cool. Look, dude, our phones, you know, 10 years ago, we probably wouldn't have said our phones, but now, you know, they can do so much and they're you know, relatively small and, and fairly cheap and they last a fair amount of time, unless it's an iPhone, then they obviously break after like six months, but that's a different story. Um, and if people want to get a hold of you, to have a chat with you, to, you know, speak to you about maybe filling some of their rooms, because it's a problem that we all have, uh, how should they get a hold of you? Sure. Um, I'm on Facebook, on Instagram, um, on, yeah, if you just Facebook my name, that's probably the best way. Aaron Singh, that's A-R-U-N, uh, not A-A-R-O-N, and it's Singh with a H at the end of it. Perfect. And what I'll do is I'll put your website, your details, all everything in the kind of podcast show notes so people can go straight to you. And if you do speak to Aaron, just mention that you found him off Tej Talks. That will be awesome. So Aaron, again, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much, Tesh, for having me, having me on. I appreciate it. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.